to turn over to Psalm 52 tonight, and I pray that you have come with the intention of being a, a vessel that the Lord desires to use and can use. Uh, it's one thing uh, for the Lord to desire to use us. It's another thing for us to desire that the Lord would use us, and uh, He desires to use all of us. And so take your Bibles tonight, if you would. We're continuing our time in the book of Psalms, and uh, slowly but surely making our way through. Uh, if you have been here for two years or more, then you have, have been in Psalms with us for, for a while now. And uh, we've spent quite a bit of time. We just recently transitioned over to Psalm 119 uh, last year and just finished that. And uh, have come back to uh, Psalm 50 a couple of weeks ago. And now we're in Psalm 52. And so we, we got through Psalm 1 through 50 uh, for a while and then went over to Psalm 119. Now we're back over here and uh, spending some time just walking verse by verse. And I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you have a book of the Bible that you're walking through right now, and I encourage you to do it uh, in your own personal time. Uh, pick a book of the Bible and uh, just walk through it and see what the Lord just reveals to you. But look with me, if you would. Psalm 52 is uh, one that reveals the events that are taking place in the book of 1 Samuel. As you travel over to chapter number 21 and chapter number 22, you'll find everything that Psalm 52 is dealing with from a different perspective. Now, if you were to go over to 1 Samuel, which we will do here in a few moments, holding your place in uh, Psalm 52, you can go ahead and turn over to 1 Samuel chapter number 21 and chapter number 22 here in a few moments. You come in contact uh, with a gentleman that we're introduced to. Any of you ever, uh, maybe you have a family member, maybe you have a, a, an individual at work that uh, you would classify as that person that, that, that's just got a mouth that won't just stop talking. And if you got someone like that, you, you just say, you know what, it'd do that person some good just to stop talking. Well, as you come over to 1 Samuel chapter number 21 and chapter number 22, you're introduced to an individual that makes things worse, if you would. Uh, it's kind of like that, that, that uh, passage of scripture as you go to the book of Nehemiah and the enemy is trying to discourage Nehemiah and the people that are doing a great work and you, you have certain individuals that are coming and they're, they're trying to discourage Nehemiah and you have some of those who we classified as those sidekicks who are just kind of chirping in and, and saying something a little bit and uh, they're doing things and they're, they're trying to discourage and they're saying this and they're saying that and Nehemiah just looks at him and says, hey, you can keep talking. I ain't paying you attention because I'm doing a great work for the Lord. I have no business with you. I have no desire to listen to you. I, I'm building a wall for the Lord. I, I have no intention of coming down. Why should I come down? I know your intentions. Well, as you come to 1 Samuel, you're familiar with this, but Saul is not very pleased, if you would. He's jealous of David. And uh, David is one who, who just wanted to be a blessing, wanted to be an encouragement, wanted to be a help, but for some reason Saul has ill feelings. And you go and you, you study the passages of Scripture and you'll see that all of that stems from a statement that is made, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousand. You, you remember this passage of Scripture. And all of a sudden, Saul becomes very angry. As you come to chapter number 21, you'll find some things that are taking place and you're introduced to a gentleman in verse 1 on down. Let's follow along for just a few moments. We're going to lay a foundation this evening. We might be back in Psalm 52 next week. Psalm 52 in and of itself... Uh, is going to be rather quick to walk through in the sense of it's giving some insight and it gives some things that will help us and encourage us when we consider the wicked in this world. Because in Psalm 52, the Lord is going to reveal in this psalm here uh, how he deals with the wicked because one of the things that we have addressed a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months rather is sometimes if we're not careful, we become so consumed with the wicked that we neglect our own spiritual walk with the Lord because we're so worried about what the wicked is doing. 
And one of the things you'll find in Psalm 52 is that David, while he is addressing, hey, this is what the wicked is doing, David's also aware that ultimately at the end of the day, God's going to take care of all that. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about all that. God's going to take care of all that. But look with me, if you would, for a few moments. In 1 Samuel chapter number 21, the Bible says this. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. When I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place, now therefore... What is other thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, and uh, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants, Saul, was there that day, and attained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, the Edomite, and a chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, and there is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that Give it me. Now, we're introduced to this gentleman here. As you go to chapter number 22, I want to draw your attention there for a few moments. And as we lay this foundation to understand what is taking place in Psalm 52. Because in Psalm 52, you're given the insight of what is going on in 1 Samuel. Chapter 21 and 22. Verse number 6 of chapter number 22, the Bible says this. When Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gabeah, uh, a tree of Rama, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. There is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie and wait as this day, as at this day. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul. And I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob and unto, or to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. Now, as you walk through from verse 9 all the way to what we will find in verse number 18, this man begins to basically tell a story. 
He begins to lie, if you would. He begins to make matters worse by saying things that are unnecessary, saying things in such a way where in Psalm 52 you're going to see, as you read in 1 Samuel 22, you're thinking, oh, he's just saying these things. But as you go to Psalm 52, you're going to find he said it with the intention of causing some issues. He said it in such a way where he knew what he was doing and he was proud of what he was doing. Verse number 16, or verse number 18, the Bible says this, Then the king and the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. Go with me now, if you would, for just a few moments to Psalm 52, because I want you to see what is being said in Psalm 52 for a few moments as we begin to see what is taking place. And tonight, as you look at Psalm 52, you're going to see that ultimately it is dealing with the wicked. It's dealing with really what the Lord is going to do with the wicked. But in the midst of all of this, you're going to see a man by the name of David who understands what the wicked is doing, understands the situation, and he is going to say, very simply, in his actions and also with his mouth, that, Lord, I just desire, I want to remain faithful. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to understand some of these things and rely upon you. In verse number 1 of Psalm 52, the Bible says, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever, and... He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. See, the righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Verse number 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever. Because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. As you come to Psalm 52, you begin to realize that the first five verses are dealing with something that we all will agree is a very dangerous thing. It is something that oftentimes there are certain individuals that have a trouble or have a struggle of containing it or controlling it, if you would. There are certain people that in life it is the one thing that is a a struggle with them every single day of their life, and that is the tongue itself. You know people like this, people that you might work with, maybe you yourself, maybe a family member, but one of the things that they struggle with is making sure that what they say is always good. They struggle with their tongue. If they're reacting, me and Brother John just the other day were in here and one of the things that uh, we were joking about, and Brother John knows this, that, that one of the things that I have to be careful about is, is making sure I don't just quickly say something because sometimes if I, if I don't hold those things, then I can say something because I have quick re- reactions in the sense of uh, if someone's giving me a hard time, I want to give them back a hard time. And uh, we were in the, the foyer just the other day, and Brother John and I were talking about staff and certain things like that. And, and uh, we were talking about uh, a staff member of another church that had just come on staff, and we were talking about uh, the hiring and all of those things. And he, he, said, uh, he, said, you were ju- he said, I was just a comfort hire anyways for you. I, I was just a comfort hire because I was, I was one of your friends you knew, you know, and, and all that. I said, no. I was like, really? You weren't a comfort hire? Just six people turned me down before you said yes. And so that's kind of what happened. 
And giving him a hard time, though, and, and he, just, he just laid his head down and just walked down, you know, joking. But giving him a hard time. And as you begin to think about the tongue, though, the tongue is a dangerous thing. The tongue is one of those things that if we don't control it every single day, it can, it can bring a lot of destruction. It can bring a lot of pain. It can bring a lot of harm. It can, it can hurt if you would. And as you come to Psalm 52, you begin to see some of these things as he says in verse number 1, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief? Now, as you go and you will see in, in these verses here, we could summarize Psalm 52 in three ways. Three words would truly summarize Psalm 52. Now, we're not going to summarize it tonight. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. But if you were to look at Psalm 52, you would find that in verses 1 on down to verse number 5, and then verses 6 on down to verse number 9, there is some character that is compared here. Now, these are not the points. This is just a little bit of a foundation. But he goes on, David goes on to compare the character, if you would. Notice what he does. In verse number 1, he says, Why boastest thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The tongue, or thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Now, notice what he says about the wicked, if you would. He's saying, hey, your tongue is, it, basically, it's uncontrolled. It's out of hand, if you would. So he's comparing com- some character because in verse number 8, notice what he says. But I, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. So there's some character that is being compared, if you would. As he is dealing with this, this is something that sometimes we do in our lives naturally. You begin to think about uh, individuals in, in, in the, 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 the workspace or individuals in your family or individuals that you come in contact with, and we begin to talk about characteristic traits sometimes, don't we? We begin to talk about people in the sense of we'll say something along the lines of, hey, this individual does this, but hey, I do this. And we, we compare. Sometimes it's righteously in the sense of that person's living in sin, but I desire not to live in sin. And we do it in a good manner sometimes. But on the other hand, sometimes we're doing it and we are using our tongue to tear someone else down. And that's what he is dealing with here. He is, he is speaking of this and he is dealing with the wicked and the words that they use and the things that they say. In verse number 3, he summarizes it this way as he says this. Thou lovest evil more than good. What a dangerous thing. That's the world we're living in though. We're living in a world that loves evil more than good. We're living in a world that is always looking for ways in which they can jab each other and, and, and discourage each other. He says, thou lovest evil more than good, and thou lovest lying, he goes on to say, rather than to speak righteousness. As he is making the statement that thou lovest these things, he is saying both of these things, you love both of these things more than what is good. And so there is some comparison concerning the characteristics. But then there's also some consequences that are found right in the midst of this psalm. Verse number 5, he says this, God shall likewise destroy thee forever, and he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Now, verse number 5, we're going to get to this here in a few moments, but these are not not soft words. Uh, These are not just, you know, words of of like, hey, you're 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 really going to get it. No, (laughs) I mean, he's, he's saying some strong language of what is going to take place one day. And we're going to get to that. But notice again what he says. God shall likewise destroy thee. And here's the, here's the word that we, we miss sometimes in this, this text right here. Forever. You see, I don't think our world, those who are living in such a way, where even this gentleman right here in the midst of it, Doeg is ignoring the Lord. He doesn't realize in, in, the, in the sense right here that there is coming an eternity that forever you're going to find yourself living in that you don't even understand. 
You see, when you knock on people's door, when you have a conversation, you're talking to them about eternity, you're trying to share the gospel with them, one of the things that you'll find is sometimes they don't understand what eternity really means. I remember Brother Polly many years ago was, was made a post and he had been sharing a, a testimony. He was talking to someone and he made the statement that as he was witnessing to somebody that they said, well, I'll think about my future later. He said, listen, 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 eternity is your future. And sometimes we, we don't think that way. We don't, we don't live in light of eternity. And so he uses this statement, destroy thee forever. But then he goes on this way and he says, he shall take thee away. And notice the next statement, pluck thee out. He goes on and says, root thee out. These are not just soft words that are being used. We're going to get to that here in a few moments, but these are the consequences that he is going to face and that the wicked is going to face. And then it could be very simply understood that not only is there character that is being compared and consequences that are going to be seen, but in verses 8 on down to verse number 9, you see that there is conduct here. He goes on and he says, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Verse number 9, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. And so in verses 1 through 5, you're going to see that the tongue is something that is going to be dealt with. Notice with me, number one, we won't be long this evening, but I want you to see this. Notice, number one, the tongue of the wicked, if you would. In verse number one, he goes on once again, he says, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief? O mighty man, the goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Selah. Now, notice for just a few moments, the tongue is, he is dealing with it in the righteous, or in the wicked. There is something that we can take from this. Because tonight, if you're sitting there, and you are only thinking that the wicked uses their tongue for wrong, then you are sadly mistaken. Every single one of us have a struggle. Every single day, we struggle with the tongue and what we use the tongue for. As a matter of fact, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of James for just a moment. I love how James deals with this, and he doesn't just sugarcoat it. He gets right into it, and he begins to deal with it in a, in a high regard in the sense of taking this serious and understanding that this is a serious thing. But in James chapter number 3, verse number 5, he goes on to say this. Even so, the tongue is a little member. We think, oh, yeah, the tongue, it's just small. No. You know, uh, we play ball on uh, Tuesday evenings, and uh, there's always a devotion afterwards. And two weeks ago, a devotion was being given. And uh, the gentleman that was giving the devotion, he said, you know, one of the things that you hear as a child, and some of you might have said it, uh, it's, a, it's, it's more of a cliche statement, or it's more of a trying to, to you know, not let your uh, feelings be shown. But sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. You've heard that. You've probably said it before. That is false. Words do hurt. Uh, some of the, 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 the pain that you have endured in life, some of it is not because someone hit you with someone. It's not because someone threw a rock at you. It's not because someone, you know, did something physically to you or punched you or whatever the case may be. It's because right this very moment as we talk about the words, someone's words that hurt you many years ago have come back to your mind right this moment. Words do hurt. And so he says in verse number 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of the things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. 
Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be, that the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. The tongue. It's a dangerous thing. The tongue, every single day that you wake up, you are given an opportunity and you get to choose, how am I going to use my words to make a difference? You see, the tongue is one of those things that it can be used for great blessing or it can be used to discourage on a daily basis. Every single day, we are known in our testimony basically as well by how we speak. There are some people that when you get into the presence of some people, you just know they're going to be an encouragement. Why? Because of their words. And there are some people every single day that we avoid or or people when we're in the presence of of them that we avoid. Why? Because of their speech. I remember whenever we were in in, uh, high school and even in in college and in in, in family at gatherings and certain things, there were times whenever we would be, let's just go back to a family gathering. I remember there were certain family gatherings and some of you have been here before where right before you enter into this family gathering, what are you doing on the vehicle? You're, You're giving yourself a pep talk, aren't you? Listen, if you see this person, just listen. If you see this person, just listen. If you see, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Just keep it simple. Hey, good to see you. Walk right on by. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because the tongue. You don't want to be discouraged. You don't want to get into an argument. You don't want to have those situations. And so you're making sure that the tongue, that you control your tongue, because you can't control that person's tongue. That is something that we have to keep in mind. One of the things that sometimes if we're not careful, we try to control the tongue of others. The Lord says, hey, that's not your responsibility. You just control your tongue. I remember, once again, I took many life lessons from uh, my time playing college basketball. And I remember whenever we were playing and, and there were certain practices that our coach would stop and he would pause and he would just kind of pour into us if we would. And one of the things that he said many times, he would relate this and he would relate it to basketball. He said, there are things in a basketball game that you cannot control. He said, for instance, you're, you're playing basketball and a referee blows a whistle, calls a foul. You don't think it's a foul, but he called a foul. You can't control that. He said, in life, there are going to be times whenever, hey, you can't control the actions. You can't control the mouth. You can't control certain circumstances. The only thing you control is how you handle it. That is the same thing with the tongue. Immediately, something is said. You can control your tongue. You can't control the other things. You see, the Bible has much to say about the tongue. In 1 Peter 3.10, it says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Proverbs 12.18, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Now, as you come back to Psalm 52, notice some of the descriptions of the tongue of Doeg. This man is not using it in a wise manner. This man is not using it in an encouraging manner. As a matter of fact, he's boasting in some things, if you would. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Why boasteth thyself in mischief? O mighty man, the goodness of God endureth continually. Verse number 3, Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. So he's dealing with his tongue. We see the tongue of the wicked. We see some of the things concerning what his tongue did. Notice in verse 1, this statement right here, Why boasteth thyself in mischief? That word boasteth speaks of his pride. Uh, we, we dealt with this this past Sunday, but pride is something that is a killer. 
Pride is something that for many of us, if we're not careful, if we do not control our pride, if we not handle our pride, if we do not yield our pride to the Lord and say, Lord, you deal with it, then it is something that can cause a lot of issues. It is something that can cause a lot of harm. And the tongue is something that he was taking great pride in some of the things that he was saying. I remember in, in certain times in middle school and in and, and high school, and, and we shared this last week, uh, this past Sunday, the time when Miss Kelly humbled me in high school. I made that statement to the teacher about being a big fish in a big pond, and I walked back to the desk, and, and she looked at me and she said, that was so rude. Humbled immediately because my pride was puffing up. Humbled immediately in that that regard. And I remember walking back to my desk and I was taking great pride in what I had just said. You see, many of us have had that happen before to us. You get into an argument. You get into a discussion. You, you're, you're, you're bickering back and forth with your siblings or, or a family member or a friend or a co-worker, whatever the case might be. And you say something that very simply just shuts them up. And what do you do after that conversation? You, yeah, that, that person stopped talking. What do you do? Yeah, I told them. Huh. Yeah. Listen to this. They were talking over here, and this is what I said to them, and guess what? They didn't say nothing else. What are we doing? We're taking pride in what we've just said. Yeah, you won the argument, but you lost your testimony. You see, that's that's the danger of the tongue. That pride is puffing up. As he says, why boasteth thyself in mischief? Not only do you see that word pride, as he is saying, boasteth here. That pride is puffing up. That word boasteth speaks of to brag or to vaunt oneself to glory in what has just taken place. So Doeg here, he's glorying in all this. As a matter of fact, 85 priests are going to die. And he is taking great pride in what he has just said. He's going to Saul and he is saying all of these many things. He's lying if you would. But he's taking great pride in it. He's taking great joy in it. I've shared this before and I'm joking about it obviously. But I've said many times about Holly that she'll look at you straight in the face and she'll just lie to you. And I said, I have a great concern about that girl. But at the end of the day, if we're not careful, many of us, that is, that is a life we live. We, we lie straight to people's faces. And we take great joy in being able to do that. I remember growing up and, and uh, my, my stepdad, when we were in high school, he had to go through a series of training. And I don't know exactly what it was. One of you military soldiers would know what it is. But it was, it was very simply, it was a, a training that he had to go through to be able to if he were in a, a meeting with someone, and, and not necessarily interrogation, but he were, were, were having a, a meeting with someone, he was taught certain ticks that would, would be able to, to tell if the person was lying to him or not. And, I mean, he was going through a long, long t- amount of training. And I remember whenever he was going through all of that, uh, he, he began to realize the certain ticks that me and my siblings had whenever we were lying. And I remember there were times whenever we would, you know, we, we look at these things in life and we say, well, it's not really a lie, it's just a fib, right? It's just a white lie, it's not something that's serious. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden what we call a white lie begins to morph into bigger and bigger things. You ever met someone who has started off something by telling a lie and all of a sudden down the road they start to believe the lie? And it's morphed into something bigger and bigger? There was a uh, basketball player a couple of years ago who was playing in the NBA Finals. His name is Brian Scalabrini. Any of you know him? Exactly. He was, he's, he's not good. <laughs> I mean, he's in the NBA, so I guess he's good, you know. But he wasn't the, the guy, if you would. 
And he was sitting down there, and uh, he was doing an interview. He played for the Boston Celtics, and they were asking him a bunch of questions. And they, they asked him, Brian, how does it feel to be on a, a NBA championship team but not to play any minutes? And obviously he took offense to that, you know. And he was sitting there, and he said, here's the thing. He said, you, you remember this moment. You remember this championship team. My kids, as they start to ask questions one day, they're, they're going to know that, hey, I played on this basketball team and, and I played in these games. And he said, my grandkids, they're going to hear that I played in the NBA Finals and that, that I was the star. And my great-grandkids one day are going to hear that I was the MVP of the team. And he was joking and talking about how, he, you know, it doesn't matter. He was a part of a winning team. But he, he was joking, and many of us, if we're not careful, that's what happens. Our lives begin to morph and to morph and to morph. We take great pride in those things. Doeg here, as he has found himself by boasting in these things, notice the second word that is used. The second word that is used in verse number 1, he says, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief? That word mischief speaks of pain. You ever think your words don't cause pain to people? You're sadly mistaken. Your words do. As a matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, we are realizing that all of the words that Doeg used and all of the things that he said caused 85 priests their life. I'd say his words had great impact. The word mischief here, it speaks of playful misbehavior. It speaks of troublemaking. It speaks of annoyance, if you would. He goes on in verse number 2 and he says, Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitful. And so he's dealing with this. It was something that brought about his pride. It was something that brought about pain, but it was also something that revealed the perversion of his words. The enemy here is using words and he is saying certain things. And in verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. That is speaking of the perversion of the words. They're, they're, we're living in a society today and we're living in, in a, a time and a day and age where many people are misconstruing words to get people on their side. Uh, we're living in a day and age where things are being said and they're being perverted if you would. Lies are being told and they're being believed and all of a sudden things are being said and, and that is the society we're living. The wicked will always do that. But David doesn't spend much time dealing with that. He understands this is what is going on. His, his lips began to reveal that he loved evil more than righteousness. He loved lies more than the truth. He understood those things about the enemy here. And he is speaking all of that. But as he transitions in verse number 3 and says that, he goes on in verse number 4 and says, Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. Now look, this is dealing with the wicked. But let me pause for just a moment because I had asked myself this question. On a daily basis, how are you using your tongue? What difference are you making in someone's life right this very moment for the good by using your tongue? You see, it doesn't take much. We, we address this in our, our leadership meeting every single, uh, every single year because it is something that even in the local church can take place. But we can become very critical people, can't we? I remember I was sitting in a preacher's fellowship. This was probably two, year, two three years ago. And a man by the name of David Grice, you guys know David Grice. And uh, David Grice made this statement. He's a preacher out in Texas. He said, preachers are the most critical people in the entire world. And we can be. We look at other preachers. We look at other churches. We look at other things. But in general, people, we can be very critical. We can criticize each other. And here's one of the things we understand about our tongue is that it takes no effort at all to criticize someone. But it takes a lot of effort to encourage someone. It takes a lot of effort. It takes setting aside some pride. 
It takes setting aside some time. It takes an effort in the sense of you're going to try to encourage someone. But it takes no effort for me to look at something and criticize someone. It takes no effort at all. You see, we, we live in a, in a day and age right this very moment where social media, while there are things in life, and we could say this about everything, there are many things in life that were meant and intended for good. For instance, you look at social media, you look at Facebook, Facebook was intended to be able to stay in touch, to, to stay up to date, if you would. Now you get on Facebook, now you get on different web, websites or, or, or Twitter or Instagram or any of these, and you'll find that much of what is taking place now is just discouraging bickering. You want to know why many people are not plugging into church and getting active in church and there are, there are many lost people that aren't going to church because they see Christians fighting on social media. They see churches bickering in the same towns. They see family members that are supposed to be, that are supposed to be Christians arguing with each other. They say, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be that. And it all stems to what they hear. The tongue. You see, the tongue is a dangerous thing that if we don't yield to the Lord can turn people away. And so he goes on and he begins to deal with this. And in verse number 5, he goes on and reveals not only what Doeg's tongue was doing, but what he deserved. In verse number 5, he says, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. So notice these things that he is saying right here. As he is going on and he is dealing with these key words, as he says, God shall likewise destroy thee. He is saying literally wipe out. Forever. Doeg, you're you're boasting in your tongue. You're boasting in your wickedness. You're rejoicing in all of the, the hateful and the negative things that you are using your tongue to do. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day where God is going to deal with that. He's going to wipe it out. The word pluck here that is found in these verses, pluck thee out, it means swiftness. It means sudden. Just like that. We were in a, uh, uh, the, the doctor's office today with, with Miss Kelly, and I do appreciate all the many prayers, and uh, we did get some answers. She has some more tests that have to be run. But while we were sitting there, you know doctors ask a series of questions. And all of the questions are being asked, and one of the questions that was asked was, uh, has any of your, your family members all of a sudden just died? Now, no, she said, but I began to think about this because I knew what was, was being preached tonight. All of a sudden means like that. Just like that. You walk out the door and collapse. Just like that. And as he is saying this statement right here and pluck the out, he is saying, hey, you're rejoicing in your words. You're rejoicing in your mischief. You're rejoicing and boasting in all of these things. Just like that, God's going to wipe you out. Just like that, God's going to pluck you. Just like that, there's no more of thy words. The word pluck speaks of that swiftness, that that suddenness. The word root here, as he says in verse number 5, that he will root thee out of the land of the living. This is dealing with the fact that God will dig out their sins. You ever had a conversation with people who is living in sin and and they make the statement, nobody knows, nobody might know, but God knows. You say, I've got all those things hidden. No, God can dig those things out. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Numbers 32, verse number 23, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. You can't hide it from the Lord. You see, David's aware of all this. So David is dealing with the wickedness and the tongue of Doeg, and he's dealing with all of these things, and he's bringing to light what he knows. But see, the great thing about this passage of Scripture is David only knows so much, but God knows the whole story. I love that. I love that there's, there's a God in heaven that, that we don't understand all of these things. We don't know all of these things. But God does. 
Not just in the bad things, but the good things. Not just in the hard things, but the wonderful things. All things God knows. And so he begins to deal with all of this. He goes on in this passage of Scripture, and as he uses that word destroy, it speaks of the judgment that it will be so severe. It speaks of to tear down, to smash. It literally speaks of this, to knock out the teeth of. I remember whenever we were, that hurts, knocking your teeth. You ever fallen? I was in sixth grade, and one of the games we used to play was we used to play uh, not broom hockey in, in our school. We actually played hockey with the hockey sticks and one of the balls. And we would split the gym in half, and we would have the goals over here and the goals over here, and you'd have two goals over here. And I remember, and, and uh, this was not sixth grade, this was fifth grade. And uh, I remember because I had braces. And uh, I got braces in third grade, which is the best time to get braces, by the way, because it's cool. I mean, you walk into school, you get to pick what color bands you wear. I mean, you're just the cool person whenever you walk in. with. So I had braces. And we're playing, and you know how that is. You know, you, got, you, give, you give ten kids a, a hockey stick, and they're not using They're just swinging that thing around. Well, I was always uh, very aggressive in sports and, and wanted to win. I'm very competitive. And I remember there was a, a girl in our class, and her name was Elizabeth. Her and I were the only ones that had braces. And I remember she was on another team and I was on this team. And there were some other people. And the, the teacher always said, be careful. Don't swing that up high. Well, we did a very good job of that. But this, this one time I was going to get the, the ball and somebody hit my feet and I tripped. The ball's over here. A hockey stick is coming. Slap me right in the mouth with my braces. My braces on my top were completely, they hit my gum and they, they, well, they had to pull each of them out slowly. It hurt. Painful. I mean, my teeth, I remember my teeth were just hurting. I remember we were outside one time and my brother was catching a baseball for me and he wasn't hearing, or wearing his catcher's gear. And I remember we were just in the front yard and we were pitching and I threw the ball. And when I threw the ball, he thought he had it, but the ball went right over his glove and hit him right in his tooth. He had to have a root canal. I mean, he was in pain. So when you think about this right here and you begin to think about this verse, verse number 5, it is very simply helping us understand all of the pain that the wicked is going to go through forever. Forever. Eternity. David is saying, hey, there's coming a day. You don't realize you're rejoicing in your words right this very moment. There's going to come a day when you're going to wish, you're going to wish you weren't burning in hell. There's coming a day. Eternity is forever. And so we see that he is dealing with this and he's helping us understand the tongue of the wicked. And we'll be quick with this. Number two, and finally, the triumph of the righteous. In verse number eight and verse number nine, he uses this statement. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. As he uses this statement in verse number eight, he is saying, but I am like a green olive tree. This speaks of something that is healthy. It speaks of something that is alive. Right this very moment, if you were to walk outside, many of the trees have no leaves on them because it is, it is winter time. As you begin to get into spring and as you begin to get into summer, there are times whenever there are certain plants that all of a sudden just die off. Just a couple of weeks ago, my neighbors, their front yard had a giant tree and someone stopped in the neighborhood and said, hey, this tree is going to collapse here soon. It is completely dead. It's going to fall in your house. So they had it taken down. It was not healthy. It was not alive. David is saying, hey, what you are doing is unhealthy. But I want to be healthy. He says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. 
as he goes on in verse number 8 and says that he is a green olive tree, he goes on and he is sharing some of the things that help him to remain healthy. Notice the very first thing. I trust in the mercy of God forever. You want to remain a healthy Christian? Put your trust in the Lord. Quit trusting in the things of this world. Quit trusting in all the materialistic things and put your trust in the Lord. He says in verse number 9, I will praise thee forever. You want to be a healthy Christian? Be active in praising the Lord and giving Him all the glory. You want to be a healthy Christian? He goes on, because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. You know, as you study many of these psalms, you'll find that many of them deal with this word wait. It, It implies David's desire to be patient and faithful in serving the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight, and we're done. As you walk through Psalm 52, many of us, if we're not careful, we get so riled up at the things the wicked has to say. You don't believe me? Turn on CNN and see if you can withstand it for five minutes. You know what I'm talking about. Your blood pressure goes up. You start getting red in the face. You you get mad. Someone calls your name and you snap their head off and you didn't mean to. You're just so mad at the TV. Why? Because the wicked, you get so mad. Someone says something to you at work and they're wicked and they're, they're ridiculing the child of God. They're discouraging and you get so worked up. But I encourage you, the Lord's going to deal with all of those things. May we be the child of God that the Lord desires us for us to be. And as he says, I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. David is aware of everything that is going on, but he's also aware that there's a God in heaven that's going to make it all right. It's a God in heaven that's in control. As you walk through the Psalms, you'll find that many of the Psalms begin in the dark, but many of them end in the light of praising God. And this is one right here. You go, you say, how is it dark? Go and look at Psalm, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 21 and 22. You don't tell me those are dark. Eighty-five priests are killed. That's dark. I mean, this Psalm starts out in a dark manner. Thou lovest evil more than good. That's dark. But in verse number 8 and 9, he says, I trust in the mercy of God for I'll praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. Tonight we, we find ourselves acknowledging that the wicked, and this is something that I have said to myself and I encourage you, when the wicked says something that they ought not say, don't be shocked by it. You should expect it. When the world is saying things and the devil is trying to get in things, don't, don't be shocked. You just won't believe the devil. He just, he's attacking. Duh. He's going to attack tomorrow too. Don't be shocked by those things. But here's the question we have to ask ourselves. When we look at the tongue of the wicked. I mean, it's easy to criticize the tongue of the wicked. How are we using our tongue? We're we using it to honor the Lord. We're we using it to uplift the child of God. We're we using it to encourage each other. Are we using it as well and we're losing our testimony? Hey, it's not important. Sometimes we don't have to win the argument. Keep your testimony. It doesn't have to, have to be those things. In the world, there are times whenever we'll get into a discussion, we'll argue, and there are times when you're better off. We've said this before, but sometimes by saying nothing, you've said everything you need to say. Keep your testimony. The wicked's going to lose theirs with their wickedness and the things that they say, but may the child of God not. Praise Him. Rest in Him. Trust in Him. Lord, we do thank You tonight. Lord, I pray that You'd help us, encourage us, Lord. Our tongue is something that, Lord, You've given us as a gift. Lord, if we're not careful, we can misuse it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, uh, Lord, trust you. Uh, Lord, that we would yield our tongue to you. Lord, we would allow you to use us to encourage and edify and uplift. I pray that you would help us, Lord, tonight.
Not to get so worked up with the world and the things that they have to say because we're aware of those things and we should expect it. But Lord, we're so thankful that you're a sovereign God, a gracious God, a merciful God. Lord, there are times when we've said something that we ought not have said. Lord, we thank you for the mercy in those moments, the grace in those moments that you've given us. I pray that tonight, Lord, we would find ourselves making a very serious dedication to making sure that all the days of our lives, Lord, we'll seek to use our mouth and our tongue Lord, always to point everybody to you, to uplift, to encourage, to challenge, to, to make sure that, Lord, we're using it for your honor and for your glory. I pray that you would help us to praise you. We'll thank you for it as well. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe tonight you want to ask the Lord to help you with your tongue. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe the, the Lord is encouraging.